All right, good morning. Hello, nice to see you all today. Oh, I like that, favorite visitor. Let's keep it that way. Uh, all right. So today we're going to talk about joy. And I think you're going to, uh, I think you're going to enjoy where we end up by the end of this. So what I would love is instead of, you know, sometimes I get up here and who, who knows what will happen. Sometimes I get up here and shout and get get loud and all that. Today, I just actually want to teach us through this idea of joy that starts with the birth of Jesus based on the promise of God and who we are meant to be. Is that okay if we just like kind of walk through the word today? Uh, who knows? I might get, might get loud, but I just kind of want to share some things that the Lord's been doing in my heart, and uh, I hope that this encourages you as well in the process. If we haven't met, my name is David Skidmore, and um, I live in Oklahoma City, and I get to come back here sometimes and, uh, and, and see you all. Uh, and so thank you for letting me come here. So, um, today's, today's message title is, uh, make room. Um, so that's what I want us to really be thinking about as we talk about joy is this idea of making room. Um, a few years ago, I went on a road trip. I was coming back from uh, Boise, Idaho. I had been up there for five months uh, in the final uh, few months of my mom's life helping take care of her. Uh, and so I was at a point in my life where uh, I wanted to kind of do my, my adventure road trip, if you will, along the West Coast. Um, and so I was driving back and, and I started in Boise. The thing is, at, uh, I had just been taking care of her, and so, so I didn't really have uh, very many financial resources at the time. In other words, like, the bank account was just about dry. And, and so I had this, this trip, though, planned, and I knew if I got to, to L.A., I could stay with my cousins who were in L.A., and I had friends in Portland, so I could stay with them. And then I had uh, family in Roswell, New Mexico. And then I had family in Lubbock, Texas. And then eventually I would make it back to Oklahoma City. I was driving a 1999 Honda Accord, which is important because of um, the, the second place that, that I stopped. The first place was... Um, it's, it's in Tri-Cities, Washington, and then I moved on over to Seattle. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Seattle. I love Seattle. I want to go back to Seattle. Uh, it was fantastic. I loved everything about Seattle, but the problem was I was going to stay at an Airbnb. I'd done a little research. Uh, what I didn't know about Airbnb, this was going to be my, my first Airbnb stay, is that you have to book an Airbnb in advance. You can't Airbnb on the day of, and so I got there, and I started looking at my trip and what was going to happen. And then I started looking, I can't stay at an Airbnb. And then I started looking at the hotels and I realized um, that this was going to be a problem because there like, there was nothing in my budget as far as Seattle hotels go. And so at this point in my life, I was like, well, okay, I could, I could pay to sleep somewhere or I'll just like, so I found a hospital uh, because I, hospitals, this is kind of normal practice there. So I uh, got to a hospital parking garage and I tried to fall asleep in my 99 Honda Accord. It was, it was the most miserable night of sleep of my life. I think I, maybe I slept for it for two hours at the point when I had finally fallen asleep, just reclining back. I had just fallen asleep when I woke up to a uh, to a flashlight in my eyes as the security guard was walking around and I was in this 
uh, now, now I can't go back to sleep again because that adrenaline spike that, that happens when you wake up uh, from being disturbed. And um, so after that, uh, I went and there was a gym that I, I was able to, to have access to. And I went in and I took a shower and kind of refreshed on the day. I loved Seattle, but I didn't love the two and a half hours of sleep that I got in Seattle. I'm wanting to go back to Seattle and actually like stay in Seattle somewhere and rest and enjoy and explore the city and I look back on that time and there was one big challenge and the challenge was was that in my budget there just wasn't room <laughs> and if I would have had room uh, in my bank account staying somewhere wouldn't have been a problem but because I didn't have room there was a challenge for me on on that night are you with me so in, in our lives it can happen like this a lot where we want to do certain things but there just isn't room we want certain things to take effect in our life, but we've crowded our lives so full that there isn't room for these other things to happen. Um, and, and so often when you talk to people who are following Jesus, um, the challenge isn't so much that they don't care about Jesus or that they don't appreciate Jesus. It's just that there are a lot of other things that have our attention. And so sometimes it's... Um, looking and seeing all of the things that, that we love and we find that our loves are disordered. And now instead of him being at the top, now he's moved down to third or fourth on the list. And so part of what we want to do today is reorder our loves so we can come back and see him and see who he is. And when we see him and who he is, we're able to uh, find joy in his presence so I want to give you um, a few passages as we're going into this. Before we go into the passages, I didn't know this, but there's something in your brain. Did you know this? You have something in your brain. It's called the joy center. It, this is a real scientific thing. So if you're just like, hey, I'm not really into the Bible, but I'm into science. This is good for, for you because this is science. You have a joy center in your brain. And what they've discovered is that people, uh, who, are able, people who, who are good at overcoming uh, challenges, people who are uh, able to overcome addiction, people who are um, able to continue and persevere in life, it actually comes from joy. And part of the reason why uh, some of you have never been able to get free of things is because you have such a low level of joy in your life, uh, and that may have actually been how you were brought up. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Jesus, we're going to look at what his word says, and we're going to discover how to have a joy center in our life that allows us to actually overcome, that allows us to live in the purpose of what he's called us to do. Is that okay? Are you with me still? Okay, this is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a few passages, uh, which I'm pretty sure if I went back to, um, to my Bible college days, uh, my professors would say, uh, this isn't exactly how you're supposed to extrapolate scripture. But um, as I've been meditating on these words, as I've been thinking about it, I actually believe when we take kind of these passages, we're going to see uh, a mosaic that, that comes together that allows us to see joy in a different way. And ultimately, it's going to uh, lead us closer to, to Jesus. So in John chapter 15, verse 4, I'm going to give you five verses right now. Is it five? Yeah, I can count. John 15, verse 4 
Jesus says this, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, some of you are going to try and keep up with me. That's great. But if you, if you're not able to keep up on this part, when I'm going through scriptures, just write down these references and go read it later. Okay. So John 15, four, abide in me. Um, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it, abides, uh, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, Paul, uh, Paul shares this interesting little verse uh, with the followers of Jesus in Corinth. And he says, uh, he says to them, open your hearts to us, uh, but a different translation, he says, make room in your hearts for us. Which means this is something you can do inside of your heart. If you can do it for Paul, then you can certainly do it for others. If you can make room in your, so there's a thing that happens in our hearts where, like I said, our loves get disordered. And the thing that wasn't the main thing has now become the main thing. And have you noticed that when that love becomes the main thing, that's where a lot of anxiety comes from? <laughs> that's where a lot of envy comes from? That's where a lot of jealousy comes from. So then we reorder our loves. How do we do that? We have to make room in our hearts. That's okay. So abide in me, make room in your hearts. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. Hey, make room in your heart for me. I'm going to go all the way back to God's original plan for the people of Israel, which is now manifest in the people uh, of, of the church. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6 he says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So what are we? We're a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I know I'm covering a lot of ground quickly on this, but we're a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What do kings do in the Old Testament? Kings take territory for God. Kings, uh, kings essentially rule over a thing. What do priests do? Priests turn people to God. Kings take territory. Priests turn people to God. That's the role of the church, is that the church, not just um, Ron or Kyler or, you know, anybody else on staff, Cherith, any, anybody else here, that they would be the, the priest, but that all of us would carry this call of turning people to God. That's what we do. We would represent God to, to the world, and we would connect people to God. And what do we do when we connect people to God? It goes back to John 15, 4. We teach people simply that there's a God who loves to abide with us. Abide means to remain, to dwell, to be present. Okay. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Isn't this a, a fun little mosaic of scripture we're looking at? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled with what? That's what you have to ask, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. And then finally, in Psalm 16, verse 11, Psalm 16, verse 11, because you were wondering, what does all of this have to do with joy? Um, this is where we're going to be um, flowing from quite a bit today. Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So where's joy? It's in his presence. Right? Psalm 16, 11. I'll read it to you again. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. 
at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't have enough joy in my life. It's wonderful. We have the key to access joy. Where is joy found? In his presence. Okay, so that's our foundation, is we're looking at this from a perspective of Jesus has come, wanting to abide with us. He's wanted us to abide with him. It's an invitation today to make room in your heart because you have a calling as the royal priesthood of God. The question is, how do I make room? Matthew 5, 6 begins to unlock that for us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you make room, what happens? You get filled. What do you get filled with? The presence of God, which brings you what? Brings joy. Okay, so let's pray, and then we're actually going to dig into this passage from the reflection of where we are at this time of year um, and honoring some of the cold weather that's happening um, I heard that we're going to be back in the 80s this week. It's a little bit difficult for me to get into the Christmas spirit with all of these warm weathers, but warm weather days. But the past couple days, ni nice and chilly. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I ask that as we open our hearts to your word today, that we would simply make room for you. That we would make room because all of this is for our joy and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, with that foundation, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, this is the moment when Jesus is born, and it says in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no what? There was no room for them in the inn. Lodging, that's fine. There was no lodging. They were, they were in Seattle. <laughs> the only problem was Seattle had plenty of rooms for, for me. I just didn't have resources to it. Maybe what we find is that Mary and Joseph may have not had the resources to get into some of the spaces as well. If you look at the history of the time, um, where they were from in Nazareth is um, just one of the most poor places um, on the planet at, at the time. Historically, um, it was a very difficult environment. And they, on the day that Jesus was born, um, there was no room for them. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. There were shepherds in the field. You remember this part, right? If you haven't seen it here, you've seen it on Charlie Brown Christmas. But let's see it from the word of God. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So the, she the, the shepherds have this moment where they see the angels, and what do they say? They say, Let us now go to where? This is in um, verse 15. Let us now go to Bethlehem. Why are they going to Bethlehem? That's where Jesus is. Now, what you're going to love about this is um, Bethlehem is 
it means the house of bread. Do you know that? Bethlehem means the house of bread. How does Jesus describe himself once? He says, I'm the bread of life. Oh, so the bread of life is born into the house of bread. Let's go one step further in the process. Turn back with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Last week we talked about the uh, shepherds and the angels. Let's talk about the wise men from the east. It happened around this time. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to what? We've come to worship him. Where are they from? They're from the east. Which means that the first people that God invited to the presence, to his presence here on earth, were forgotten yet faithful men in a field, and the wise people from the east. It's almost like God's heart is being revealed that he's here for the forgotten and for those who would call themselves wise in the world's eyes, that the wise will come and worship. Matthew chapter 2 verse 9 when they heard the king they departed and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy and when they had come into the house they saw the young child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshipped him when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now you look at this and you say, well, that's kind of odd. Why would you bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh to see Jesus? <coughs> I get gold. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a gift of a king. This is the wisdom. The wise from the east are bringing gifts. They're bringing frankincense and myrrh. Now watch this. Leviticus chapter 24, you're like, man, we are talking about joy today and you're taking us to Leviticus. <laughs> this is where I got locked up in my, I'm going to read the entire Bible this year. I get locked up in Leviticus and Numbers every time. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5, and you shall take fine flour and bake 12 cakes with it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be, in, shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. Where is this taking place? So this in Leviticus 24, this is taking place in the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the place where God's going to dwell with people. So there's specifically in the tabernacle, there's a place, there, there's something that God has told them to make, and it's called the bread of the presence. Are you with me still? There's a bread of the presence that God has told them that they're going to make, and that bread of the presence is actually going to symbolically represent God to the people, but it's going to be there essentially sacrificed before God. But instead of burning it up, this is what it's going to look like is in verse 7, and you shall put frankincense on each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial an offering made by fire to the Lord. What did the wise men from the east 
bring to Bethlehem? They brought frankincense and gave it to the bread of life who was in the house of bread. Shall we keep going? All right, let's keep going. We're in Psalm 1611. So in Psalm 16, we just read it, but let's come back to it again. In Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, this one's going to seem a little out of left field, but let me just, if you will, let me talk about your reality for just a minute about who you are in God. You're, you're the priesthood. You're the royal priesthood. In Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, he says, but you have come to Mount Zion into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. He doesn't say you will come. He says you have come. You have come. To where? To Mount Zion. This is where you're dwelling currently. You have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of God. That's the dwelling place of God. That's what God says he's done in your life. But I want us to look back and see that there's an order. Even in how the Lord works. Before you come to the heavenly Jerusalem, you first come to the house of bread. Let's see if we can, if we can do this. John 15 says what? John 15, 4. John 15, 4 says... Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me, unless you dwell in me. But the story would also go that now the one you're abiding in is now abiding in you, right? That's where it ends up in Matthew chapter 28. You're going to like this. You're going to like this part. A lot of people at this time of year are focused on taking in their minds and through the Christmas songs the journey to Bethlehem. And that's not a bad thing because that's where we go back to see that our, we have a Savior who's born and given to us. But the bread of life is hosted in the house of bread. Now, what does Paul say you are in Corinthians? He says, you're the house of God. Are you with me on this? You're the house of, you're the house of God. The location of the bread of life has shifted from a one-time place to the people of God. We are the house of bread. 
where the bread of life lives. Why is that important? Psalm 16 verse 11 is why that's important. Let me read it to you one more time. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm going to read Exodus chapter 19 verse 6 because there's a calling that's on your life. There's a calling that God gave us before even the church as we knew it. He gave this promise to Israel and then it's interpreted through the church and we'll look at those at those verses. But Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We're almost there. But first, first Peter chapter 2, verse 9. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's who you are his own special people that you, may, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay. Are you with me still? We're almost there. Revelation, I, I know we're going through a lot of passages today, but Revelation chapter 1 Revelation chapter 1, verse 6 says, And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So we are priests. What do priests do? Priests turn people to God. So what does this have to do with your joy? We talked about this in Kyler's class that he, that he led us through. We were talking about Matthew chapter 20, chapter 25, that there was an oil that people were supposed to have with them. And the oil is the symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The reason, the reason why there's a lack of joy is because there's a lack of room. The reason that there's a lack of joy is because there's a lack of room. So how do I make room so that I can live with the presence of God bringing me joy so that I can fulfill my purpose to be a priest of God who turns people to God. That's where we're ultimately at this point, right? Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse two, make room for us in your hearts. You can almost hear the father saying that to you, make room for us. When my son was coming into this world, they were, there wasn't room for him. So they ended up laying him in a manger. In this season, we don't want 
our lives to be so crowded that the sun ends up outside of the inn. We want to create this space of honor. We want to create that space in our hearts. We want to make room in our hearts for him. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. That's, that, this is where our answer is today. This is where we ultimately land is in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. Jesus is sharing with us God's heart for us. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be they shall be filled. Your level of hunger defines how much room you make. Your level of hunger defines how much room you make. The amount of room you make will define your level of joy. But we often think, I will make room by extraction. I'll make room by getting rid of all of these things. What he would say to us is, the first thing that you do if you want to make room is you get hungry. Because when you simply are extracting things, you're doing this to make room, but guess what? You're not filling it back up. But when you get so hungry that you come after him with everything that you have, then nothing else matters. So now I recognize that the one thing that I need to do, if I want to be the house of bread, I first got to go to the house of bread. And stale bread does not satisfy. And that's why it's time to stop living on the old testimony. I'm not saying that the stories of what God did aren't important. The question is, what is God doing in your life today? Any testimony over three days old is just old. And when I say testimony, I don't mean how did you come to Jesus? That's your salvation story. What I'm asking is, what are you experiencing with Jesus today? How are you experiencing his presence today? How are you knowing him more today? John 17, three, now this is eternal life, colon, here's the definition. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. How do you know him? It's about presence. And that's what Exodus is really telling us. That's what this entire thing is. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life because the bread of the presence is not meant to be something that's stale. Jesus is the presence of God. He's the living bread. So you wake up every day and it's fresh. You wake up every day and you're fresh in him. We're not going to defeat the devil just simply based on our discipline. We're going to defeat him through our joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And your joy, if your joy center is too small, it's not, well, let me just get more intense about this. It's, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. 
So, Lord, I'm coming after you. Lord, I'm seeking you. Lord, I'm making time to just be with you because I love your presence. I love your presence, Lord. I, just ne I, I never learned to say that growing up. I love the idea of Jesus, but now I'm starting to, to, to really just love Jesus. I love the Lord Jesus, you know? I love who he is in your life. I see some of you and you have a joy that you didn't have a year ago. You're getting stronger in him. What's he, what's he, what's he, what's he doing in your life right now? I want you to, to pay attention to what he's doing. And if you say not much, well, then it just simply goes back to blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. What I love about this story, because this is for your joy, is that the shepherds who were in the field by society were those who were forgotten. And those were the first people who got to hear about Jesus. And for some of you, you feel forgotten. But you haven't been forgotten. And Ron, you always talk about the power of showing up. I'm just thankful that the shepherds showed up and they were faithful. Because they were forgotten, but they were faithful to the work that they were doing. And because they were faithful, the angels... Imagine, like, one of them didn't show up on that day. <laughs> they were like, Steve, I don't know how to tell you this, but <laughs> last night got a little weird. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, well, first off, there was an angel. <laughs> the next thing you knew, we were like looking at a baby, and we didn't know what we were doing, but we, we started worshiping him. <laughs> and their lives were changed forever because of what they experienced, because they were just simply faithful and they showed up. Let me tell you what's special about this church. Let me tell you what's special about you. Is that when you could be focused on yourself... What this church did is instead you opened up a Christmas store for your neighborhood, for your city. And people who didn't have were able to come in and your joy in giving them is now going to give them joy as they give to others. In the midst of everything going on, like you could have just said, hey, we're going to shut this thing down this year because it's been a hard year for us. But instead you said, we're about others. And some of you are like just beating yourself up because you're going, man, I just haven't been in the presence of God and I haven't been seeking him. I'm not hungry enough and I'm not doing this and this. And guess what? I think it says a lot about you that you showed up today. Because you didn't have to. And it says something about your heart that out of all places you could be, you decided to be with the people of God. In John chapter 14, and <laughs> you're saying don't worry about the time, but there are people in children's ministry, and trust me, I've learned that they, they're like, we got to get done. <laughs> John chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But now, 
I am going to prepare a place for you. While you're making room for Jesus, he's making room for you. The son of the carpenter is building a room for you. And it's in Abba's heart. It's in the Father's heart where the love lasts forever. I'm not good enough at making room. Yeah, me too. That's why we're in process. But in the process, he's making room for us. I want it to go down to my faithfulness, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go to his faithfulness in me. (laughs) I'm going to trust that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So just repeat this one after me and we'll wrap up. Joy is in Jesus and Jesus is in me. Joy is in Jesus. Jesus is in me. It's not searching for joy on the outside in it's recognizing he's put the bread of the presence inside of me and I'm going to feast. Like you're going to feast. You're going to feast on the goodness of God today. You're going to feast on his faithfulness. Like it says in Psalm 37, you're going to delight yourself in the Lord. You're going to remind yourself of the goodness of God in your life. You're going to remind yourself that goodness and mercy will overtake you all the days of your life. You're going to remind yourself of Psalm 27 where he says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord and take heart. And I will continue to look and experience the testimony of God and his faithfulness in my life because of who he is in my life. And I'm going to I'm going to build my life and make room all centered around the presence of God. So we're going to have a moment here where you can just simply respond. You may say, I want a fresh joy through the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray for you today. You may say, I I would like to give my life to God and... um, I want to be baptized because I want to walk in the fullness of his presence and I want his presence to be in me. That's great. We can do that today as well. Whatever your need is, Kyler, come on up and we will, um, we'll welcome whatever God is doing in your heart as we stand and as we worship him together.